James Paxton this past week threw a no-hitter. Very good. Coming off the heels of a 16-strikeout game. In which he actually probably pitched better. Yeah, it was probably a better game. But still, he threw a no-hitter, which happened to be a Maddox, too. Clocked in right at 99 pitches. And the... Wasn't his last... How fast was his last pitch? Was it 99? 99. Yeah. yeah. 99 was 99th pitch in the ninth inning. God, I love it. That's insane. That is ridiculous. So he's really good. Yeah. And ever since he got touched by that eagle, which everyone loves to point out on Twitter, that that made him a great pitcher. Oh my god. America transferred off all of its talent. Yeah. <laughs> James Paxton, the Canadian. Um, Speaking of thoroughly unbothered, can we just go back to how, how thoroughly unbothered James Paxton was when a literal eagle landed <laughs> on him on the field? Yeah, he handled that like a boss. Talking about performing under pressure, I think you could make the argument that the eagle prepared him for this great season that he's having so far yeah seriously man <laughs> it's all about composure man cool is the other side of the pillow what other axioms can we say he's uh he's clutch <laughs> he's clutch <laughs> he's good <laughs> um so so this is no hitter number two now on the year after sean Manias against the red Sox earlier and humble brag <laughs> yeah right i had to slip that in there you know um and we get these alerts, like, every week, you know, that someone's throwing a no-hitter into the sixth inning. And on the one hand, it feels kind of desensitizing. And I see people talking about how, you know, like, Paxton's 16 strikeout game was arguably more impressive than the no-hitter. And a lot of people being like, no-hitters aren't that impressive. Like, there's an, there's an element of luck in there. And I see a lot of, like, smarter, statistically inclined people talking about this on Twitter or wherever. Um and so I guess my take on this is no-hitters are not as cool as perfect games, but they're still cooler than most of the other games. That's so therefore, no-hitters no are interesting. They're that's fun. That's a lame argument. Yeah. That's like, ugh. all right, bro. Yeah. Do you also hate, like, Disney movies? <laughs> <laughs> Do you also hate, like, ice cream? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know. No-hitters, sure, not the coolest thing. Still cooler than most of things. Yeah, I don't get it. It's a bad argument. Yeah, and it's Although, fun, and I, and I like having something to root for too. Even if even if there is like some luck involved, or the game is not as good as like the zero hits sign shows. Like I don't know. Ben Lindbergh wrote that piece for the Ringer that was like the year of the near no hitter or something like that, where he basically just looked into that that what you were just talking about statistically how it feels like. People are being desensitized to it because we're getting a notification basically three times a week. Yeah. Being like, this so-and-so, James Paxton, has a no-hitter into the seventh inning. Yeah, when when it's the year 2018 and I'm getting a notification that James Shields is throwing a no-hitter <laughs> into the seventh, I think that's it. I think it's time to like draw the line on this. <laughs> and more or less the article, I wanted to read it and I wanted to talk about it, but then I heard him talking about it and being like, more or less... It's for the reasons that you think it is, because people are putting the ball in play less, and that means less hits. Yeah. Um. So I didn't end up getting around to reading it yet, and we're not going to talk about it more in more detail than that. But essentially, a no-hitter is still, like, not easy to do. Most players have not done it. Yeah. And if anything, it just gives you a reason to, like, turn on MLB TV and yes. just go watch the end of a baseball game and see a crowd that's actually, like, full-hearted rooting for something which you don't get in every baseball game. You don't even get in most baseball games. And for me, it gives me a reason to not have to watch the Mets for like 20 <laughs> minutes, which is great. Fair. <laughs> no, I love sitting on the couch and like rocking back and forth as Paxton's on his like second to last out or whatever. It's fun. And I think that part of the thing about um, no hitters becoming more common because batters are putting, or the, or the potential no hitters becoming more common because batters are putting the ball in play less is, is because batters are putting the ball in play less. <laughs> is offset by, in some way, by the fact that pitchers also aren't going as long. Like, you don't see as many complete games because pitchers are getting pulled earlier and earlier in the yeah. fifth or sixth inning. So it's still a feat in and of itself. Like you said, the fact that a lot of players haven't done it, I think, makes it relatively cool. I think if you watch it from the beginning, it's also really exciting. Like, I wasn't watching the James Paxton game from the beginning. I think I turned it on, like, the fifth inning or yeah. so and just watched it to the end from there. But... You don't see the type of like efficiency and tenaciousness from pitchers as as much anymore in terms of just wanting to throw few enough pitches to make it all the way through nine. 
And that's something that Paxton was doing. He was just like, here's 98 miles an hour right down the middle. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. And it worked. And it worked against Josh Donaldson, who was MVP <laughs> like two years ago. For real. And is starting to come back into form after his early season injury. I think that is more exciting. I think, I think that's personally really exciting for me. I love watching pitching. And so I also love watching a pitcher who's just like, I'm good. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. The gist of it is baseball's good. Really good is baseball is good. Stop trying to argue that it's not. <laughs> it's the point. You know what's not good? <laughs> you're going to make fun of me for my transition, and then you're going to say that lame shit. Speaking of not-so-good baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to the Mets. I know, right? Is this the is this the Metsiest thing the Mets have done all year? Gotta uh, be, right? Um, Come on, this is, this, is pre- this is pretty bad. Yeah, this is like a very lol Mets moment. Yeah. So every couple of years, the team does this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see Mickey Calloway took 100% blame for it, even though it for sure was not his his fault at all? Uh, I mean, no, I'm sure some of that. it was his fault, but in the press afterwards. So what we're talking about is yeah. the Mets batted out of order. <laughs> you don't know that. I That's good for you. you. That means you're not a Mets fan. Because if you are a Mets fan, there was no way to avoid this. Because there were 10 notifications and 10 news stories, and everyone was like, haha, LOL. <laughs> um, but the Mets batted out of order, and... They lost out on a potential run in the first inning, and they ended up losing the game to a walk-off uh, in extra innings. So, essentially, they got out of order, lost themselves the game because of it. And Mickey Calloway took full responsibility for it, even though most likely what happened was like his bench coach wrote down the lineup wrong, or wrote down the wrong version of the lineup from what it got changed to. Because the one in the dugout was the correct one that they wanted it to be. And the only place that the... Uh, batting order was wrong was on the card that got passed to the umpire everywhere else social media on in the Mets dugout um, all that different stuff from the Mets beat reporters whatnot the lineup was written how Callaway wanted it to be written and then the one card that got passed was written wrong and so everyone made fun of them and Callaway was like that's on me that's an administrative I think he kept calling it like an administrative issue or something like that I love it and so Whatever, it's not that big of a deal. So I was saying to you before we started recording the show that I, this was this happened when I was home, sick with the flu, and so I had like Sports Center on because what else am I gonna put on at home, yeah, sick with the flu? And so <laughs> counterpoint, literally anything else. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you it's stare weird. at the blank TV screen. I started watching Ozark because of this. Yeah. So I was but anyway, Sports Center spent like the first eleven minutes of their show just going over this, like LOL. This guy was supposed to bat, and then this other guy batted. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but that's called batting out of order. <laughs> and I was like, all right, guys, this is not really that interesting. How desperate are you to get the hashtag Twitter likes? Yeah, but it's tough because it comes amid a pretty um, rough slide that the Mets have been in just over the last few weeks after their blazing hot start to the season, and it feels like this is just kind of the... Pretty the, rough the, is understated. The, the, com- yeah, no. the culmination of kind of all of this, right, is like, of course, like, throw in a batting out of order on top of, like, the collapse of their offense. Yeah, they're the super tough hang. They are not fun yeah. in any way to watch because yeah. even when they have, like, so they have dynamite starting pitching when it's on. When DeGrom is going strong, he's electric to watch. Same with Syndergaard. But it never feels good because the Mets, the defense, first of all, always makes them work for it. It always has to either be a strikeout or it has to be like a weak pop-up to the infield. Otherwise, you're not sure if it's going to be an out. And so pitchers are always working through like 25-pitch innings, it feels like, when you're watching them. Or if you're Jacob DeGrom, 45 pitches in the first. Side note, is there a way to throw more pitches and not give up a run in an inning? I don't. I know they talked about this on Effectively Wild maybe like a month ago because someone did a similar thing. Yeah. But that's... 45 pitches is that's like... insane. You're used to giving up like eight runs if you throw in 45 pitches in an inning. You only have like one out and then you get yanked. But they're just not fun to watch because it never feels like... It never feels like the lineup is going to come through. And they don't have the worst lineup in the league by any means. Some of the tanking teams are throwing out way worse lineups. But just like... They've been putting up like two runs a game for the last... 20 games and it's really rough to watch because no matter how well someone's pitching it's like AJ Ram's going to come up give up a sing- uh, solo home run and they're going to lose the game because of that you can't just lose the game for your relief pitchers giving up one run but I don't know it's been a tough hang yeah I'm glad I wasn't watching when they batted out of order because I would have freaked out I would have <laughs> just been firing off tweets from the tipping pitches account <laughs> just being like what the f- is going on yeah I mean I think that like it's 
in part just a course correction from like how hot they were at the start, you know, and I would like to think that at some point they will regress back to some sort of mean, you know, I mean, they are now I think hanging around where the preseason projections put them maybe a bit below. Um, so yeah, they're right around that. They're like just above 500. Yeah. So I, it hurts though. <laughs> like a two week stretch like this hurts. I just hate, especially when the other team in New York is killing it. I hate watching. I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm alone in this, but watching streaky teams is tough. Yeah. Because you just have to deal with Play, the re- it plays with your emotions, man. Yeah. You just have to deal with the repeated pain of losing three to two every night. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And well, getting you, you, swept, getting swept or no, they didn't get swept, but they lost two of three to the reds, which is like borderline, not an MLB team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like even Joey Votto actually think, came out today and was like, yeah, some stuff's going on here with the, when Joey Votto is critiquing the reds and that team is still beating you, there's a problem. It's rough, dude. Yeah. Well, the A's have been in a similarly tough stretch. Their offense has been, like, the worst in baseball over the last two weeks or something. Like, it's been bad, man. Man, we talk too much shit about them. I know. That is a triple-A team. Yeah. (laughs) No, T-ball, T-ball. Oh, T-ball. T-ball lineup. They actually are a T-ball lineup. That makes sense. Um, But they... Speaking of... Wait, speaking of T-ball, wasn't there that video of Vlad Guerrero Jr. hitting off a tee? Or some some major prospect. I think it was Vlad Guerrero Jr., but I saw a video of him hitting off a tee. And he hit it, like, 490 off a tee. How's that even possible? You can't uppercut off a tee. I don't know. It's just a line drive almost 500 feet. I can't wait for him to get called up. I know. And I'm actually enjoying that we're seeing highlights like on a weekly basis from him at this point. It feels like the whole baseball community is excited for him right now, and that's awesome. I don't know if you know this, but Vlad Guerrero is his dad. <laughs> Wait, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is related to the Vlad Guerrero? Todd Frazier's from New Jersey also. Okay. Um, the A's called up Dustin Fowler, which is cool. Yeah, Dustin Fowler is a fun prospect. Yeah, also he's a real center fielder, which is a step above the people the A's have been employing. <laughs> you uh, and me both, guy. Um... But of course, because the baseball gods are real, he had to super real. He had to make his legit um, debut against Sonny Gray in Yankee Stadium, the player for whom he was traded. It's feels like justice right there. The player for whom he was traded, right after he like, broke his leg in a million different places. Yeah. Right. So he got called up to the Yankees last year and. In, like, the first inning that he was in the field or something like that, he broke his leg, I think. Yeah, yeah, he... I think he, like, tore something in his knee or something like that. Uh, right. Well, either way. Yeah, messed up his leg. Questionable if he was ever going to come back. Yeah, it was... People were like, this could, like, sap his speed, right? Like, the A's had the... Basically, like, a shot in the dark with trading for him, having no idea what what he was going to look like. I mean, it turned out really well. It seems like he's back to, like, I don't know, some form of his original self yeah i mean which is like he's stealing bases which is like the most important thing and that's a good prospect to get for sunny gray i mean we talked about sunny gray struggles last week or last episode getting a young center fielder with some speed and a little bit of power and who was supposed to be like regularly in the yankees lineup before they traded him yeah yeah he's a top 100 prospect and they got jorge mateo too right yeah so that was just like gravy you know (laughs) yeah um but anyway he got his first hit which is nice. Off Sunny Gray, obviously. Do you believe in this? Do you believe in, like, fate, baseball, gods? It was very Moonlight graham until he got the hit. I know. I mean, outside of baseball, no, not at all. The world is just <laughs> a shit show and nothing. <laughs> and it's all just, like, one big dumpster fire. Within baseball, absolutely, this stuff exists. Naturally. Yeah. I. But, so, okay, counterpoint. <laughs> the Mets finally got rid of Matt Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> finally got that dark cloud off from from their organization and since then they haven't gotten any better they actually lost to the reds twice (laughs) since they traded him yeah they've gone like oh and six and the reds have gone six and oh so maybe i guess you could say the karma is that the mets were trying to send him to cincinnati which is like cincinnati yeah (laughs) i know the whole joke is that harvey got harvey refused getting demoted to las Las vegas Vegas. and ended up in cincinnati instead cincinnati's kind of (laughs) cool i mean it's not like yeah, uh, not if you're Matt Harvey. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's not like popping bottles at the club cool, but yeah. like, it's a city. It's a real city. I've been there. Yeah. It's like an actual city with, with buildings. <laughs> There's like a river. It's kind of nice. It's not like Sheboygan, Wisconsin or something <laughs> like that, you know? Like, it could have been worse. Yeah. 
But either way, I guess that's that's where you would come down on the the karma gods position for the Matt Harvey situation. True. Yeah. So the Mets DFA'd him. Finally, traded him for Devin Mezzarocco, the Reds, one of the Reds catchers. Yeah. Ahead of the last episode, I had mentioned that we would talk about it more. That was when I had when I had mentioned that when I was going to edit it. Um, after we had the technical difficulties, he had been DFA'd but not traded yet. Traded yet. So I was like, we're going to talk about the Matt Harvey news. And I'm glad, in retrospect, that I phrased it as the Matt Harvey news, not saying that he got DFA'd. Because, like, the next day, yeah. or, like, the next hour or something, he got traded for Mesoraco. So it still worked out that I said news <laughs> in my, like, very sick voice, hushed voice at the beginning of that episode. I don't know if you noticed that. But, uh, yeah, I think the Mets could have done worse. I mean, they needed a catcher. Mesoraco conveniently knows how to catch the baseball that he does and which is almost more than you can say for any of the other catchers that the Mets have tried out there (laughs) yeah I mean Mesoraco actually has been good too like he has some sort of track record he cannot stay healthy for the life of him which is probably why the Mets traded for him because they were like you'll fit right into the culture here yeah you (laughs) it's a real culture (laughs) and uh Darno yeah y'all can just be the sad boy injured club yeah but he was an all-star in like 2015 I think and so he actually has a track record as, like, if he can stay on the field, he can hit the ball and catch the ball, which are, like, two things you're looking for. I think the one thing that I was sort of underrating when they traded for him, I was kind of like, eh, whatever, they got another catcher that's not a minor leaguer, um, is that he knows how to call a game. Like, he's caught enough different kinds of pitching staffs between how bad the Reds have been and how kind of okay the Reds have been at times since he's been up that he is a decent game caller, which I was underrating because I'm not trying to hate on Tomas Nito, but I don't think that calling games in AAA and being the Mets' like 26th best prospect is comparable to actually being an all-star in MLB for Des- Devin Mesoraco. And I even think that Zach Wheeler, he I think he was the first one to make a start with Mesoraco behind the plate. I even think he said, I really enjoyed the game that he called. Wheeler Shading well. the rest of the Mets catchers. I mean, listen. Rightfully so. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to be real. Yeah. I often joke that some of the guys that are really good in MLB The Show or who go on to be really good in MLB The Show in like my franchise mode with them, <laughs> I always overrate in real life because it just sort of starts to blend together. And Devin Mesoraco is like a 315 hitter in that game. <laughs> God only knows why. So maybe he can regain some of his video game form. <laughs> he looks happy. He looks like they freed him from Cincinnati. True. And now, on the flip side of that, Matt Harvey looks quite happy he was freed from New York. I mean, I think he genuinely is happy. Not like New New York the city, but just kind of the situation that he was Probably in. Probably New York the city, too, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think overall, he is happy for a new start. And I'm happy for him and want to see him succeed. Yeah. He looks good in red. He looks really good in red. He looks good in everything. Yeah. So I'm I sad. I don't think we mentioned that he threw four shutout innings in his first start for the Reds. He gave up one hit. Um, I think he touched 96. So not that we're going to see a Matt Harvey resurgence or anything. What do we do, though? Maybe we'll see a Matt Harvey resurgence. So here's a real sentence that Jeff Sullivan spoke on a couple effectively wild episodes ago about the Matt Harvey being traded to the Reds situation. He said... Maybe the Reds traded for Matt Harvey on the off chance that he becomes as good as Jaime Garcia so they can trade him for Zach Littell or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. We, I know everyone's always like, wow, just check this out. Look how far we've come with Matt Harvey's situation. But come on, like, <laughs> maybe he could become as good as Jaime Garcia so they can flip him at the deadline. That's depressing. Yeah, that is rough. I, t- I mean, I tweeted this after he got traded and after Mickey Calloway gave his press conference or whatever, but... And everyone's favorite segment, reading things that I tweeted. Yeah. I really feel like both parties mutually failed in this situation. Like, the Mets failed to give him a real pressure-free environment and kind of let him recover from all these injuries that he's had. And Matt Harvey obviously failed on many accounts to be accountable. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And sort of just take it on himself to pitch well, which he didn't do in any of the several opportunities that the Mets gave him. But I also think had the Mets had more of a cohesive culture of focusing on their pitchers individually working on what they needed to work on rather than just saying like, we have good young pitching. Now we need to figure everything else out, which I think the Mets have done at times. Um, I think that would have really helped him. I think Mickey Calloway getting to this team two years ago and being a pitching coach, being from 
the Cleveland organization, which is a lot more stable than the current Mets organization, I think really would have helped him. Um, I just think he was sort of too far gone at this point to be helped by Mickey Callaway, which is sad, but I do think that the Mets also failed him. There yeah. was a lot of like, fine, get rid of him, goodbye. He failed on every account to yeah. come back, and I, I don't really think that's the case. Yeah, and he also carried, a, I think, a really large burden those first few years that he came up as like the savior, right? And like, I mean, he... Uh, the the grit that he showed during the World Series in 2015 too, and like you can argue about whether or not he should have come back out, right? But like he very clearly gave his all to the uh, to the city and to the team. Um, his you know exploits aside, it was it was a sad way to to kind of see the relationship end. But. Yeah, super sad. I mean, you. <laughs> Man, you were a little bold in sending me the highlights of his 2015 <laughs> World Series appearance, the Game 5 one. I know. Um, and I didn't even click it because I can't even tell you how many times I've watched that video. Yeah. At least 100 times. I know. And I said to you, I that was the happiest I've ever been as a as a sports fan. And I'm, I often worry that that's the happiest I will ever be <laughs> as a sports fan. And it's just like, well, as a Mets fan, because back when I still watched football often, I was very happy when the Giants won the Super Bowl. <laughs> But um, as a Mets fan, that was the happiest I will ever be, probably. Yeah. yeah. And that's depressing. Yeah, it is depressing. Because he's gone, and it's sort of like, it's turning the page. But it was always like, I always thought of it as Harvey was his own thing, and then like the young pitchers were a separate thing. But Harvey was like this proven guy, and he would always be the ace of the staff, like the bulldog pitcher. And now and then he just didn't have it anymore for yeah. the Mets. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, man. Baseball giveth, baseball taketh away. <laughs> So, Albert Pujols did the thing. <laughs> yes, he did. He got there. That was the intro that you chose to go with. I'm into it. 3,000 hits, baby. Just come out and say it, right? <laughs> Sometimes the facts speak for themselves. <laughs> um, Albert Pujols is the newest member of the 3000 Hits Club. He uh, he got there when he uh, singled off of Mike Leak last week. Going out with a fizzle. I know, right? It was like a it was like a soft single to right field <laughs> off Mike Leak. Yeah, good for him, man. Yeah, Albert Pujols is um, one of those like weirdly consistent sports figures in yeah. my life where. From the very beginning, his timeline sort of lines like right up with our sports fandom age, where from the very beginning, Albert Pujols was the best right-handed hitter in baseball. Yeah. All the way up to when he started to trail off, he was just at the best right-handed hitter in baseball that whole time. And you could sort of take him for granted. I know the, the joke was always that his nickname was The Machine, because every year he would just hit 30 home runs and have 100 RBIs. Not that, not that RBIs matter, bro. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to see him finally accumulate everything that comes with being the best right-handed hitter in the game all this time is personally i think really cool he seems like a semi-fun dad yeah pretty much (laughs) of a teammate and so he even has like the look going for him now he's getting like stocky and thick in his older age and he has he's always had the like perfectly bald head yeah he just looks like a homie man he just looks like a cool dude (laughs) to hang out with and coupled with the fact that like he was just unpitchable for a decade literally just unpitchable he would just hit everything out of the park yeah. Or just double to the gap. And so I think it's cool. Yeah. I always love seeing baseball players reach milestones. Yeah, me too. Although this is, I am kind of not the kind of person who will tune in to see every at bat. And there were some people on my timeline being like, come on, Albert, because he was, he was sitting at 2,999 for like a little while. It was a few at bats. And there were, you know, baseball writers on my timeline being like, oh, is it going to be this time, that that time? And I'm like, this is precisely why I don't tune in because I have no idea when he's going to get that 3,000th hit. Yeah. And that's a, it's a lot of wasted time. But I'm glad he uh, got there. And it's, it's easy to forget in some way. I mean, his production has kind of trailed off over the last few years. He's still been like, that was generous. Yeah. I mean, he's still been like, okay. Um, He hit 31 home runs in 2016, and he's having an okay year. But he's only... He wouldn't be a baseball player if it weren't for the DH. We're not going to have the DH argument, but he just straight up would not be in the game if it weren't for it. (laughs) Um, One of four players with 
one of four players with 3,000 hits and 600 home runs. That's like, we don't, I feel like we don't talk enough about how Albert Pujols is one of the greatest baseball players of all time. If you're one of then single digits after that yeah. in baseball history, the hundreds of years of baseball history, 100 plus years of baseball history, yeah. it's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, super <laughs> Especially impressive. Especially in this era where you have specialized pitchers coming in to face you, you have intentional walks on the rise, you have um, a lot of strategery going on or yeah. s- surrounded a around the game's best hitters you just have managers not willing to face those kind of guys i hate that he did it for the cardinals for so long because my best friend growing up was a big cardinals fan for whatever reason he just chose st louis and he was like i'm gonna root for all these teams which was dumb (laughs) but he loved the cardinals and albert pupils was always something that he could fall back on when i'd be like whatever the men's are better than the cardinals carlos beltran he could be like no 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 no." (laughs) albert pupils um i was saying a few weeks ago i saw i think it was mike petriello or somebody who is statcasty, um, maybe Darren Willman or something like that, tweeted out just his heat map of home runs. And they're like all to left field. Not all of them, but so many of them are to left field. And it's just like, that's impressive. Bat speed to just be a righty pull home run hitter. I mean, I know he could hit to all parts of the field. He doubled to the right field gap a ton. But to have the bat speed at that size... To be that massive of a man and just have the bat speed to just crush line drive, pull home runs all the time, pretty impressive. Also, gorgeous swing. Beautiful swing. Gorgeous swing. Absolutely wonderful. The way he lets off it with the, with the right hand, the top hand at the end, and it's just that pure grown man strength <laughs> of the like the one-handed swing and just mashing home runs. Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah, he's had a really impressive career, and it's been fun to watch. And I don't know, I, f- I feel like the next few years are going to be very strange for like us as baseball fans and our general age group as guys like Ichiro retire, right? Right? Like, um, you know, we had Jeter and A Rod bow out a few years ago, and and Pujols is, I mean, gonna be around until his contract expires <laughs> in twenty twenty one. Wild, damn! Remember when he signed that contract? Yeah, and everyone was like, Pujols making the Angels a contender, just ignoring the fact that Mike Trout, <laughs> <laughs> best player in baseball. Yeah. Although I don't know where Mike Trout was at, kind of when Pujols started his contract, that, I don't know if he no, was. No, that's up. why that was the same year. He the same year that the Angels got Pujols, they got Trout. That's not fair, man. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, didn't quite work out how they expected it to. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I want to say about Pujols though, in light of the Robinson Cano news that came out today about his PED suspension, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. For me personally, in those like mid two thousands, sort of around that two thousand ten area when he transitioned from the Cardinals to the Angels and he was widely agreed upon to be like the best right-handed hitter in baseball him and Miguel Cabrera and he was just like incredible just crushing 30 to 40 home runs every year playing solid defense at first base and there was sort of scandal associated with every basically every good player at that time and just the constant it wasn't even that it's not even that I personally care that much about the whole like sell like the righteousness that is associated with playing baseball clean and getting into the hall of fame necessarily but i just got it was sort of body blows with all the debate about it you know i just got worn down about hearing about this player did it the wrong way this player did it the right way as if like sports talk radio hosts really know what the right and wrong way is or like what it was just annoying and then you had guys like ryan braun like breaking the rules and being a dick about it and i was just kind of personally at a point in my life where i was like all right, if Albert Pujols, he's my litmus test. If Albert Pujols gets suspended for PEDs, I'm just going to be done with baseball. <laughs> for like, I'm going to give that a five-year hiatus. I'm just going to be done. I'll play it, whatever. But I just, I won't care about MLB. <laughs> I'll just care about myself and baseball, and I'll just focus more on basketball. Yeah. And there's obviously, where there is a good hitter, there is speculation about PEDs, right? So there's been speculation about him for, throughout his career. But I, I don't think that I've ever seen like... <laughs> a morally reprehensible story with Albert Pujols and I could be wrong but he just seems to have <laughs> done it the right way yeah. um and so he was kind of like an anchor in my personal fandom in in those like mid 2000s that window where baseball was trying to figure itself out and figure its PED status out um and decide what was the best way to put its best foot forward and so I am personally thankful for him being that sort of force of nature that he was in those mid 2000s because he was awesome to watch at all times and never really made me feel guilty for loving watching him (laughs) (laughs) yeah and not to 
I guess, politicize this conversation too much, but I feel like oftentimes the claims that are hurled at uh, at baseball players for cheating fall along racial lines a lot. Like you see a lot of Latin American born players who are really good, who are absolutely yoked, who will get those claims thrown at them um, yeah. just because it's like, well, he can't possibly be this good. It's like, actually, he can, right? And no one, back to and like no when... one's sitting here being like, Mike Trout's taking PEDs. There's no way. <laughs> the dude has no neck. <laughs> that said, if that he was... like a bowling I, ball. Yeah, I would, I would believe it. Like... <laughs> He looks like he would be. If you go back to like, remember when Yoan Moncada was being called up? Yeah. And there was like videos of him working out. It, like the first 10 replies it, on every social media would be like pictures of needles or yeah. like steroids. Yeah. Like, so like, you're right. <laughs> Politicizing the conversation is sometimes the right thing to do. Yeah. But... You heard it here first Mike Trout steroids. <laughs> but anyway, you're right. Albert Pujols has been a very consistently great. Uh, part of baseball for the you know better half of the last two decades and it's fun and baseball's more fun with him and fun with him being good and I love that like he and Bartolo have a little thing whenever they play each other and like they'll like pull each other's jerseys up when like <laughs> like there are a few gifts of that that I've seen floating around and so he's good I like him I don't know how you feel about the whole like elder statesman thing with baseball but if you're gonna have an elder statesman it's got to be Albert Pujols, right? Yeah. He's got to be one of the five or however many you want to anoint as the elder statesman of baseball. And so there was that, um, the James Wagner piece about how when um, Spanish-speaking players, um, Hispanic players play against each other, sort of those elder statesmen being like Pujols, and I don't know if Cologne was involved or not, I can't remember, um, but Beltran, when he was on the Astros still, they would like host the Spanish speaking players of the other team, the Hispanic players of the other team and have them over for dinner like the night before when they're just and their families and everything. And this is what baseball is for, right? Like the fun stories like that. This is why we love the Lindors. This is why we love Javi Baez, the people who are there to use baseball as a way to build community. And I think Albert Pools is one of those people. And also he was fucking good. He was good. He was so good. <laughs> he was real good. Yeah. It sucks that he's just sort of, slowly solidifying into a statue on the field. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it feels like he has kind of almost faded into oblivion in L.A. to some extent because he's basically been overshadowed by uh, Trout his whole career there. And he's had up and down years. It's been very rocky basically since he hit like 30. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's still kicking. And I respect him for it, man. <laughs> are there any other players who are close to 3,000? Yeah, I think the next closest behind Pujols is Miguel Cabrera. And then after that, it just so happens to be Robinson Cano. Don't you know, Robbie Cano? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the news broke basically right before we started recording this that Robinson Cano was suspended for 80 games for using a banned substance. Yes, the banned substance was ready for me to send in my application to med school with this <laughs> ferrosamide ferrosamide is used to reduce extra fluid in the body caused by conditions such as heart failure liver disease and kidney disease this can lend lessen symptoms such as shortness of breath and swelling in your arms legs and abdomen so i'm not a doctor i don't know why mlb prevented this drug i, I assume that it probably helps in training or something like that uh, this MLB.com article says it's often used to help mask banned substances in urine. Ah, okay. I guess that makes sense because it also, that's, it's like a water pill. So it makes you pee more. Right. So, which I guess dilutes the other substances in yeah. your body. And so, you know, this substance is not like nefarious in itself, but I guess coupled with other things, MLB says that it's nefarious. But so Cano's statement was the, the short version of it is that, this substance was given to him by a licensed doctor in the Dominican Republic. And he says that it's used to treat various conditions in, he says it's used by doctors to treat um, various medical conditions in the United States and the Dominican Republic. So he's saying that like he was prescribed this, he didn't realize that it was a banned substance and he takes full responsibility for not being more careful, which is why he accepted his suspension. And he is now suspended for 80 games which is the equivalent of over $11 million of his salary, just saying. That's insane. 
but yeah do you have drive-by thoughts on this do you i mean i know there's like obviously the hall of fame hot takers who are like ready to be here like now he's not getting into the hall of fame right which is dumb but um i'm sure it'll affect his candidacy though yeah, right no, like it, it will for sure i think i think as like a baseball community we should sort of move towards not having that being a like absolutely it's an <laughs> it's a very dumb litmus test yeah exactly um but anyway other than that i don't know i mean uh justin verlander right before cano made a statement he uh Verlander tweeted out, and excuse coming in three, two, one. Damn. Yeah. Yo, Astros pitchers are getting kind of savage on Twitter. <laughs> I know. Wow. Well, that makes it seem like other MLB players knew then. Yeah, maybe. I saw, um, he's not an MLB writer, but he, he does like TV writing. Someone I follow on Twitter say, he said, Robinson Cano found guilty for using PEDs, and then he tweeted out the gif of uh, the girl like putting her mouth up, putting her hands over her mouth, and in parentheses underneath it says, acting surprised. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, again, it's, it's like, I will, I'll take it back to the, uh, what I said about Pujols and being like, to just be like, oh, well, like, I knew Cano was taking PEDs the whole time, like... I don't know. Reeks of a bit of a dog whistle to me. But, um... <laughs> kind of. Yeah. But, I don't know. I guess it's, more than anything else, it's a little heartbreaking and disappointing on a couple levels because, one, regardless of whether, of what you think about the MLB's drug policy, and generally, you know, I mean, it's a pretty dumb one, but I still... First of all, it sucks for the Mariners because they're having a great year, and but you know Cano fractured his hand and then it comes out a few days later that she's banned for half the season that hurts that's gonna have an impact and also Cano I'm curious like why I guess why are they drug testing him three days after he fractured his hand I have no I guess idea. maybe I don't know what the actual timeline of that was but that's, that seems weird yeah I don't know but it's more generally just disappointing because I love Robinson Cano and yeah, he has been so much fun since his days on the Yankees and so cool and calm and collected. It's why he's our header photo on yeah. Twitter, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. I can distinctly remember watching him in Yankees spring training. Cause I was a psychopath that just watched other teams spring training. <laughs> and he was like that, that first year that he made the team from having an incredible spring training, like pretty amazing how, how far he's come, how consistent he's been and how, like second basemen are not interesting usually. They're not interesting hitters. They're usually not interesting. I mean, I shouldn't say from from like a from what we love about you know power. They're not interesting in the way that Robinson Cano is interesting, right? He has a lot of power. He's super smooth. He's super cool. Second base, I think of as like that scrappy, the contact position where everyone is just like kind of undersized and hustles and gets their uniform dirty. And that's like that's not Robinson Cano. Yeah. You know, he's more of like a he's like a Ken Griffey type where he's like very cool. Everything comes really easily to him. And so for that reason, like we've always loved to love him. Yeah. And I just think to go back to your point about the, the dog whistle aspect of it, it's so lame to live your life as a baseball fan, perpetually waiting to punish people for breaking the rules. Like that is lame. Why are you even watching baseball? If that's what you're doing with every good player that you see, if the whole time you're just like chomping at the bit to say, he used PEDs. I knew. I knew it this whole time. I knew it this whole time. But you're not like an investig. You're not. You're yeah, not well, an investigator. You're not who, a detective. Who cares? I don't care if you if you thought he was using PEDs this whole time. Great. Good, yeah, good for, you, for you, bro. Yeah. Wait, where do you? What's your address? Can I come pat you on the back? Like, <laughs> stop. Like, it's so lame. It's so corny. Just enjoy baseball. Someone breaks the rules. Whatever. They serve their suspension. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know why we're entrusting MLB to come up with this drug policy as if they do anything well. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I'm saying that, you know, whatever. This this might be a case where maybe he did break the rules in a flagrant way. I don't really know the details of it, and I don't think we will know the details of it. But, like, it's just lame to go on living your life watching baseball waiting for players to be punished. Yeah. Yeah, it disappoints me every time I see something punished. Because I'm like, ultimately, I enjoy watching baseball. The more good baseball players, the better. That's good for all of us. I don't know. It's like like Bartolo Colon got suspended a few years ago when he was with the A's, and it's like I'm not I'm not like happy or smug about this. Oh, so many people are so smug about it. Yeah, I think just because they perceive Robinson Cano to be a smug player, yeah. which again, 
the dog whistle. Yeah, again, it's like, oh, he, uh, like, you know, it's like, I mean, it's like when people hu- uh, yell at Harper for not hustling it out to first base, right? It's like, chill. You gatekeepers of the integrity of baseball just need to stop. Get that stick out of your ass. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> oh, man. That segues nicely, speaking of getting that stick out of your ass, into how the MLB has handled a situation in this past week or so about players putting designs on their cleats. <laughs> Which is so dumb. Oh, I can't even like, believe we have to talk about this. I can't either. Once again, it's... back to my point about we're really trusting MLB to be the ones to decide what's morally right and wrong when they're punishing people for drawing pictures on their cleats? Good God. This is what they're concerned about. This is what Rob Manfred, who's the only one in the MLB front office who handles things like this. Yes. Going back to our point of just, <laughs> how U.S. politics, they just refer to it as the White House. There's a That's a literary term. I don't know. What, I forget what it's called. I, I learned it in high school. But <laughs> we're just going to say Rob Manfred as a face for the whole MLB. This is what he loses sleep over. <laughs> Mike Clevenger's cleats. God. Yeah. That'd be a good blog name. <laughs> Mike, Mike Clevenger's, Clevenger's cleats. cleats. Well, it would because Mike Clevenger's cleats have been pretty cool up until now. Up until so the this past week, the MLB basically cracked down on a bunch of players um, putting designs on their cleats. Um, Mike Clevenger got a letter about it. Ben Zobris got a letter about it. Jed Lowry, Jacob Juna. I mean, g- g- a bunch of guys um, got notifications that their cleats were like not up to standards or like were not the very specific one. I don't even know. What it's so are your... weird that they all came out at the same time. It's like, it's like, did, did, does MLB have like a, a deal on like bulk mailing with USPS? <laughs> <laughs> they had to have ten before they could send it for thirty to thirty cents a package. <laughs> Or Rob Manfred's just, like, forgotten about all of this. Like, it's the stuff that's been piling up. And he's like, oh, crap, I have to send out the cleat notifications. <laughs> Good God, man. It's so corny, dude. It's so, like... Uh. It, so the rule is that, like, at least 51% of your cleat has to be the team's color. Has to be, like, uh, the team's primary color, I guess. What? That's what That's what this says. Can it be, like, the team's primary color or black? I sure yeah because like there's no way that all of the Mets are wearing 51% blue or orange no cleats. I know I know I, know. I, I really kind of just don't get this like I don't oh, talk so what were they what were they like putting on their cleats was it just like fun designs or were they for a cause or this is because when I first saw like the Twitter outrage I thought that maybe like Clevenger at least Clev- so Clevenger had like a, a big design on there. He puts like designs on his cleats. So Clevenger had like this elephant design, I think, on there. Clevenger's a weirdo. Yeah, he's a super weirdo. I love it. <laughs> I though. tweeted this out like months ago that he looks like he should be an indie band bassist, not an MLB pitcher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Clevenger had a design on his Ben Zobrist's cleats cleats were just all black they were like these mock like pf flyer cleats that's cool yeah super cool love that he's doing that also you how often how often are you looking at the players cleats like on tv that's actually all that i look at oh yeah that's true i'm a sneakerhead (laughs) when the a's wear their their white cleats that actually is all i look at (laughs) but for real okay so you have players who are wearing cleats with a design on it cool Cleats that are, like, a cool throwback. Uh, Bryce Harper wore his Louis Vuitton cleats at the beginning of the year. <laughs> Bryce Harper's so lame. <laughs> I know. But, like, every time something this comes out, like this comes out, I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool or weird or interesting or something worth talking about. And the MLB is like, nope, we don't allow that. Okay, so I don't think that we can stress enough how little this has an effect on the actual competition of baseball. Like, the cleats... No one is like, I can't see the pitch coming out of someone's out of Mike Clevenger's hands because of this elephant on his cleats. So literally, literally, I'm going to use that word that uh, baby boomers hate when millennials use. Literally, the only reason that they're doing this is this is to be fun police. That's it. That's it. And who empowered MLB to just say, this is what's fun, this is what's not? Yeah. At what point did fans be like, you know what, you guys get to decide what's fun. Yo, read how boring this statement is that they sent to Zobrist. We have shoe regulations that were negotiated with the union in the last round of bargaining. If players oh, stop ha- pretending if, like this is a work issue. If players have complaints about the regulations, they should contact their union, which negotiated them. 
We have informed the union that we are prepared to negotiate rules, providing players with more flexibility, and that issue is currently being discussed as part of a larger discussion about apparel and equipment. Oh, shut up. Yeah. This is like when Antonio Brown twerked and the NFL was like, you can't twerk. Uh, Yeah, but like, okay, compare this issue, if you want to call it that, to a game like the NBA. In which this is our favorite game. I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> what MLB if, what should if, be the NBA. And what if baseball was basketball? And, <laughs> and every player should be LeBron. But that's a lot of times that is one of the most talked about things surrounding the game. That's not the actual game. Is like, what are these dumbass shoes that Steph Curry is wearing today? Right. Or like, or like so and so did um, shoes that are a tribute to whatever. Or I mean, that's like almost an integral part of the culture around basketball right it's like basketball shoes and that sort of thing i wouldn't i would say more than almost i would say that is like a huge part yeah yeah exactly and it like trickles out into the larger zeitgeist that people wear basketball shoes as like high fashion yeah exactly and no one's asked you to wear baseball cleats to work or anything like that (laughs) i actually am (laughs) i show up i get hired at a new job i show up and i'm just i'm wearing the mike clevenger elephant cleats and they're like what is going on are you okay (laughs) I'm like clicking around everywhere. They know I'm coming. <laughs> I got the metal inserts. I'm sliding all around the floor. I'm in the kitchen just trying to make coffee and I'm slipping and sliding and spilling it all over myself. This feels like there's an SNL skit in here somewhere. <laughs> okay, but like that is infinitely more entertaining than being like all your cleats have to look the exact same and have to adhere to these certain guidelines. It's like I'm sure the NBA has their own shoe regulations to some extent but if you're just gonna be like <laughs> i don't think they do i, <laughs> I think just... the shoe regulation is that you can't have cleats on <laughs> you can't just fucking <laughs> bruce bowen someone in the face with cleats on god it's just so strange that this is the stuff they care about you know? all right you ready for the old man counterpoint okay i can't just wear whatever shoes i want to work <laughs> i can't wear pink cowboy boots to work in a baseball cap what about that, Alex? Yeah. What do you say to that? You're so right. You can't do that. <laughs> you also don't play a child's game for a profession. <laughs> I'm just playing devil's advocate with myself right now. I know. <laughs> You're just going back and forth. Well, it's stupid. It's stupid enough that we should be stupid in response. I know. This is. I don't even have anything more to say about this. This is just add this to the Alex, list. Alex, but what about the integrity of the uniforms? <laughs> People worked hard to come up with these logos. That is so true. Mike Clevenger should only be allowed to wear racist stuff, not fun stuff. God, you're so right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Chief Wahoo has tradition. You know what doesn't have tradition? Elephants. I like how every, like, weeks, uh, there's like the weekend out of the year when they're like, it's quote unquote players weekend. And you can put whatever name you want on your jersey. Whatever name. It can be. (laughs) Literally, whatever you want. Short of, like, a curse word. But they're like, yeah, uh, I'm going to put a little blue on my cleat. And they're like, nope, sound the alarm. This is it. <sighs> Yet, Yonas Cespedes can wear a, a neon highlighter yellow arm sleeve. I just... <laughs> <laughs> we have to stop talking about this because I'm just getting out... Like, it's like my brain is playing a game of tennis. Trying to get in, try and do... Suss out all the rules that the MLB has in place about character. Yeah, I'm done talking about this. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about the one thing that brings us joy in the world. favorite thing ever is when i look over at your computer while we're recording and you have like that little pop-up box that comes up when you're sort of highlighting the last two weeks for a player yeah because i know that it's for tim tebow and i know we're about to have the tim tebow power hour so hit me with it hit me the patron saint of the pod is at it again (laughs) tim tebow is hitting 310 over the last two weeks that's progress in baseball is not linear all right so that's 13 games in that span, he has three home runs, nine RBIs, two walks, 18 strikeouts. That's not great. <laughs> that is not great. Um, Nothing but... like a nine-to-one strikeout to walk <laughs> ratio. <laughs> okay, but on the year, he has boosted his average up to 260. He's got four home runs already in about a quarter of a season. So 
I'm just going to do the thing and prorate his stats over 162 games. Please do. That would be 260 batting average. 340 how averages work? 342 on-base percentage. That's not bad. <laughs> Uh, a 452 slugging percentage, which amounts to an 800 OPS with 21 home runs, uh, 257 strikeouts. <laughs> That's like Mark Reynolds. Good God, Mark that, Reynolds, who's playing on the Nationals right yeah, now? Yeah, who is a who's still playing baseball? <laughs> um, but yeah, that would be 32 doubles in the. You guys, Tim Tebow's having a good year at Double A, <laughs> like a good enough year that they might call him up. Okay. <laughs> Give it a couple weeks, man. I'm not kidding. So the joke is that if Cespedes keeps getting hurt, they finally, the Mets finally get around to reading the rule book cover to cover and discover what the 10-day DL is, that maybe they send Cespedes to the DL and they call Tebow up to fill up that outfield spot. Because, quite frankly, there isn't a whole lot in the Mets (laughs) farm system when it comes to the outfield. Um, so I will say that that 260 average is boosted by a 450 batting average on balls in play. What? That's ridiculous. Are there no fielders? In How is that happening? What? Aaron Judge has like a 400 BABIP, which is batting average on balls in play. Yeah. Because he hits the ball like 110 miles an hour all the time. Yeah. And most of his hits are home runs. Yeah. Or guys like Jose Altuve have like a 360, 370. Because he's really just fast. Just because they're really fast and they can beat out ground balls. Yeah. 450? <laughs> what? That's almost unfathomably high. Yeah. Don't think that's sustainable. Uh, No, definitely not. But that being said, the Mets have like... I don't know, three or four outfielders in their top 30 prospects, and none of them are higher. Well, one of them's in AAA, but he hasn't played this year because he got injured and had surgery last year, and that's Wilmer Becerra. Um, and he was actually like a real prospect for a while, but he sort of dropped since his injury. But other than that, they don't have any outfielders that are higher than AA, which is where Tebow is, and none of them are playing as well as Tebow. <laughs> and this is sort of like, this is your last chance, so if the Mets were ever going to call him up, <laughs> I hate to say it. But Tim Tebow might get at bats on a team that's above 500. Good God. It really might happen. I know we've been like kind of saying this on and off over the last few weeks, but like we might have to at some point contend with the fact that Tim Tebow is actually a good baseball player. This is what this world needs. <laughs> something about the baseball gods need to figure something out to get Tim Tebow I know. into the mix. There's no Matt Harvey, so we need something that is just a like um, the fountain of youth of LOL Mets. Yeah. You know? Yeah. LOL Mets. Yeah. Where it's like... When Harvey was on the team, there was always something that opposing fans could make fun of. <laughs> and now it's like, you know, they bat it out of order, but that's sort of like, that gets stale. Yeah, exactly. It's um, a weekend news item, whatever. What else can you make fun of? I mean, Hansel Roba's not going to be on the roster for very much longer. <laughs> and right now, that that's the thing that you could constantly make fun of, is him pointing upwards like it's a fly ball when it's actually a home run. So I guess they just got to call up Tebow. It's the only way. Yeah. They're fulfilling their prophecy. <laughs> They really have very little in the way of outfield depth at AAA. So at some point... I mean, that being said, they have a pretty deep outfield roster at the majors already. Yeah, of course. but Deeper than most teams. Right, but Conforto's not hitting, and Cespedes can't stay healthy. bite your tongue. (laughs) Conforto hit a two-run home run to beat the Phillies the other day. Look, all I'm saying, man, is they're going to need something at some point. And will if we... Conforto gets benched, even for one fucking at bat, <laughs> to play Tim Tebow, I will freak out. I, know. I will freak out. I will lose my shit. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to keep an eye out for that, so I can turn the mics on right before that happens, so we can just intro the podcast with that. And with my with, with your freak out, <laughs> just live. Oh, you think it's bad when someone takes a pitch right down the middle that they should have swung at? <laughs> oh boy, yeah. You don't want to be around if that happens. Oh man, I'll be throwing stuff. Maybe we need this. This is what 2018 needs. No, it's not. I think it is. No. I think it is. All right, we got to stop talking about this. We got to wrap up. If you have any favorite... Albert Pujols moments. Um, any better Ichiro anecdotes that we haven't mentioned that have gotten lost in the shuffle? Yeah, maybe we should just open up every podcast with an Ichiro it's story. Got, yeah, we, we should start backlogging them right now, so we're ready. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, 
you can't... Anyone, if anyone's ever personally met Ichiro, <laughs> and it's a story that people don't know, I would love to hear it. Honestly, yes, please. Uh, our email is tippingpitchespod at gmail.com, or our DMs are open on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on any of your favorite podcast listening applications. Yeah, let me take this moment to plug Radio Public, which is sort of a lesser known podcast app where you can listen to us and we are part of their paid listens program so we make a very 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 small amount of money every time you listen to us on there but you know that's not nothing yeah you can pay for a coffee one day <laughs> <laughs> other than that um thank you for listening i don't know the next time we're going to record alex and i are graduating college tomorrow yeah <laughs> we're recording this on a tuesday and we're officially putting on the cap and gown <laughs> tomorrow so uh we have a lot going on in the next week or so but we'll be back to you at some point because baseball never stops so therefore we just can't tipping pitches never stops (laughs) either (laughs) all right y'all we will see you soon thanks for listening Don't do another shitty transition. Baseball giveth Albert Pujols 3,000 hits, baby.